Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you. I'm here today with the brother Brendan Felix, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine. Excited to be with you. Good to be back. Yeah. Um, anything new in your world? Just changes in life? And- I, I have a son that's coming home from his mission in about 30, 35 days. That's so all. Nobody's we're, counting, though. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Just roughly. <laughs> roughly cool. 35 days. That's cool. uh, so he, he comes in on a, on a Wednesday. That Sunday he'll speak, and then that Sunday my senior's going to graduate from seminary. Wow. And then Monday he graduates from high school. So we've got a yeah, just big, kind of a packed little week there. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, May's going to be May's going to be awesome. And where's so. he coming home from? Texas Lubbock, Michigan. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Good. It's good to see good to see those big shifts in life happen, right? And those definitely. Changes coming. Definitely. He'll only be home for ten days and then take off to be an FSY counselor. Hey, so good for him. It, yeah. Where's he doing that excited. at? Um, well, he's got his training down at BYU, and then he'll have two weeks in in uh, Arizona. Yeah. And then he'll spend four weeks in Logan. Hey, and cool. And then I think he's got another two weeks at BYU. Yeah, so, very cool. So he'll do eight weeks. And, yeah, good for him. And by that point, he'll be tired and ready to go, right? ready to go to college. What a great yeah. summer job, right? It, it, it is going to be an cool. awesome thing, particularly coming off a mission, yeah. just to be able to, just ready to stay go. with some of the things that that's really cool I didn't realize that they had uh, established a way to get missionaries before they even come home yeah he was able to, to apply and, and then he did some interviews on P days wow. and, really cool okay if you're so. out there as a missionary listening mm-hmm. you uh, you look into the FSY thing if you're yeah, coming when you're home, coming home for the, yeah that's fantastic and even if you're not a missionary you look into that if you're they a, are in need of young adult. adults yeah. I know particularly young adult men they yeah. they, they needed those so pretty cool Well, excellent. Well, today we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 18 and Luke chapter 10. And you and I spoke a little bit beforehand that we're going to touch on three things maybe uh, in in more depth. But there's some things kind of along the way that we want to make sure we cover as well. So let's uh, just jump in. I'll let you tell us where we're going to start and bring us in. So Matthew 18, we have after the Mount of Transfiguration, they're coming down. We have just various experiences and various teachings. Mm -hmm. Probably the, the beginning of the chapter most... Uh, well-known would be this when Jesus calls a little child unto him mm-hmm. and, and says, except you be converted and becomes a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, verse, verse 3. Yep. Uh, but we also have some woe to those that would offend little ones. Sure. Um, and just some other beautiful little, little diamonds in here. Uh, verse 16, about in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word established. Right. Uh, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Yeah. What a great truth to know that when we gather together with other covenant believers, the Savior's, Savior's there with us. Yeah. It's one of the things I think as a um, seminary and institute teacher, you know, we work at the gathering, right? It's, we're, that's really what, what our assignment is in, in, uh, as an occupation. Um, and thinking about President Nelson's invitations to gather and and just to know that that uh, as we help others find each other, right, that we're also helping them find the Savior. It doesn't necessarily have to be find the waters of baptism, but just be together. Mm-hmm. And, and the Savior will be there and he'll help you learn and grow together. I think of some of the young adults that are listening to this podcast. Where, where are they? And yeah. Are they in just in a little branch somewhere? Sure. Are they just a little group that, that goes to an institute class or something? Yeah. But the power of the Savior being with them, because they're gathered together, yeah. there's this covenant belonging. Yeah, and maybe there's an, an invitation to them as well that, you know, as, as good as it is that you're listening, we, we love that you're out there and you're listening, find a place, find yeah, a place to be go. gathered, you know, mm-hmm. that, that uh, we, we just, in, in the Boise Valley, there's thousands of young adults that, uh, that just don't have a place. They don't. They're not gathered together. They're not uh, in a place where the Savior can really be with them. Maybe they go to church on Sundays and whatnot. But, 
but what a better place they could find themselves than uh, you know in in an institute or in a mm -hmm. you know just wherever that way with others that are there is a power seeking the savior. So Definitely. perfect. I love that. Maybe one last one before we kind of jump into the main main subject. Verse eighteen. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, mm -hmm. and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Mm -hmm. We read in the chapter heading that all the twelve receive the keys of the kingdom. Yeah. So last week when we talked about keys up on the Mount of Transfiguration yeah. and Moses, Elias, Elijah coming to, to give keys, we know that those keys have then been passed on to the twelve. Yeah. We know today when someone becomes a member of the twelve, they get all of those keys. Sure. They lay dormant until the president becomes president, and those are then kind of activated to yep. utilize all keys. Mm -hmm. But it's so important that the work is directed by keys. Keys direct the, the use of that authority. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't... Uh, always look at and understand the, the significance of priesthood keys. Yeah, with that, with the ability to unlock certain doors and help mm -hmm. us understand. I, um, I think it's something that, that, you know, outside of our faith really isn't something that's understood very much. Exactly. Um, that, that those, um, that access needs to be provided by the Savior directly. These apostles received it directly from him. Um, and as good as it is that others want to help um, people find the Savior, and I think, I think the Lord loves that and loves those out there of all faiths that are helping draw others closer to Him. The reality is, He wants it done in a very specific yeah. way, and and, uh, and and not not that that's bad, not that it's bad to help others, however you're helping them, but but there is priesthood keys and authority to to baptize, to to lead and direct and manage the church. There's prophets again on earth, right? All those things. Um, that, he, that the Lord is setting up with the apostles back then uh, are needed today just like they were needed back then. He is a God of organization. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Those are perfect. We okay. Just, Some great little up. little things. So the, the three main areas or the three main stories we're going to look at all are prompted and connected to questions, okay. which is another great thing. I know yeah. you're, you're teaching an answering gospel questions class. Yeah. It is great to have questions. Isn't it? And, and we see that, what if these individuals in here didn't ask their question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, what, would we, what would we have missed? Yeah. And so if you're sitting in an institute class or you're sitting in, in church classes, ask those questions. It, can, it just enriches things and brings out yeah. truths that, that need to be taught. Yeah, and broadens your understanding of the gospel too. Mm -hmm. right? I think that's a, a big key. So first question, verse 21, Matthew 18. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Tell seven times. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing that Peter's brother is actually in the 12 there, you wonder if he's talking about his brother, brother, or brothers, people uh -huh. around us, uh -huh. and so on. Uh -huh. I, was his, his brother sitting next to him going, hey. are you really asking this? <laughs> really? Um, but, but and, and really, he takes a... A generous amount there. Seven is, yeah. is awesome. Right. That's, that's, a, that's yeah. a generous amount of times to yeah. forgive someone. Right. And so I'm sure he went into it thinking, well, that, that's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm going to be happy yeah. when the Savior says, yes, seven's great. Super generous. I Very am. nice. Very nice. <laughs> good job. Of Peter. course, the answer, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times yeah. seven. Certainly not about arithmetic, uh, teaching a greater principle here about yeah. our willingness to forgive. Yeah, well, and there's some <clears throat> there's some Old Testament um, understanding um, that that might be part of the reason for that question. Uh, back in Amos, um, you know, there's there's forgive three times. There's the really specific, mm -hmm. you know, you have to forgive this. So so now for the Savior to be teaching on a higher plane, it's probably a, an obvious question for them to ask. Okay, well now, like, I'm going to double that and add one. Is seven mm -hmm. enough now? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so for the Savior to say seven times seven uh, is, blows that all out of the water, right? Definitely, definitely. And to, to back that up, he then shares the, the parable of the unmerciful sure. servant. Sure. Uh, we're familiar with the parable of kings taking account of his, his servants. Mm -hmm. They bring in a, a fellow that's got 10,000 talents. And I guess not to get too, too nerdy, but just to say, how big is that? Yeah, right. Uh, there's nothing in the footnote there. And then when this servant goes out and, and is demanding 100 pence be paid, there is something in the footnote there. So 28A 
under the 100 pence mm-hmm. servant, says approximately three months wages of a poor working man, which yep. is a significant amount. Yep. But the person that's asking for that 100 pence guy to pay things back owes, owed 10,000 talents. Mm-hmm. In the, the Institute Manual, it kind of gives us a, an estimate about deal. that. Um, it talks about uh, one denarius was a typical day's wage. If that labor worked 300 days a year, it'd take 33 years to purchase one talent. And then it says this, and it would take over 300,000 years to earn 10,000 talents, <laughs> the sum of this. <laughs> That's amazing. Day. So it's, it's, not, it's unfathomable to even yeah. say, yeah, I can pay you back, which is what he tried to do, right? Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Yeah, you're not going to Not pay unless all. you have 300,000 lifetimes right. to, it, to do this. Interestingly, back in 1987, I just have a note in my scriptures here. 1987, a man named Richard Tice... Uh, there's an article in the Ensign in August that was called Research and Perspectives. And he goes through in today's wages what that might look like. Mm-hmm. And it ends up that he would forgive his fellow servant of $11,000, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't be forgiven of a $7.4 billion is effectively mm-hmm. what this guy was supposedly yep. in debt to. So maybe not a reality in, in Christ's time. I think this is... No parable like, right? Mm-hmm. That, that this is, hey, yeah. let's, let's pretend this is. Who this really exists. gets 10,000? Right. Especially yeah. back then, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but certainly trying to make that point. Uh, we, we know the, the, the story. He does get forgiven. 27, then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, mm-hmm. loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But then that same servant turns around, goes to the 100 pence servant that owes him 11,000 bucks. Yep. And yeah. says, pay me what thou owest. Now, love, love how in the parable, the Savior has that other servant say the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Mm -hmm. So both said the same thing, uh, but in this instance, no compassion was was given. They take him away, put him into the the debtor's prison. And the the Lord of of all knows and hears about this. Fellow servants kind of narc on him or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then ask this beautiful question, verse 33, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Hmm. That word, that word compassion, Yeah. again. Yeah, and, and, and it really is, I don't know that we have to dig very deep to find the re- relevance, right? But, but I do wonder sometimes if we uh, hold grudges, we hear people, um, maybe even family, loved ones that, they do wrong things, they hurt our feelings, they say things that are stupid or whatever, and, and it, it's effectively a 10-cent sin, but we hold it for so long, yeah. we're unwilling to, we treat it like it's a $7.4 billion problem, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and they, if they knew it existed even, um, they would just want it not to be there. They, they would ask for forgiveness of that sin or that action, and... And yet we hold it over people and we, yeah. we change our behavior towards them because of those things. And uh, I think ultimately forgiveness um, is, is about how we treat people beyond the, the sin, beyond the, the hurt. Um, not that, you know, obviously the, those that are struggling with abuse and those types of things that we don't put ourselves back in those Definitely. circumstances. But, but um, I, I, I've, had a, I've had a thought lately that maybe ties a little bit into this and, and I'll, share, I'll try to share it with you. Um, you know, in the church, and, and you and I talked before we hit record about how, you know, as a seminary, as an institute teacher, we just, we get to dive in every day, all day long, right? We, we get this, this capacity to understand the scriptures and understand the, the gospel. It's kind of unique. It's, it's not only us that has that sure opportunity, now. right? Yeah. But, but, but we, have a, we have a pretty good grasp of things. And um, sometimes that... Uh, that can come out of us, all of us, when we have an understanding of something as a club to kind of beat other people over the head mm-hmm. with. And I've been thinking about President Nelson's um, last conference address where he's talking about being a peaceable person, right? And I've, and I've thought about the, the concept of uh, humility and, um, and being kind and thinking those things don't come because I'm incapable of wrath, they come because I'm capable of wrath, but I don't use it. Mm-hmm. That I don't go that way. That I use my knowledge to, to tra- teach or to train 
when it's wanted, not because I'm clubbing somebody down who's fighting against the Savior or against the church or whatever. It just doesn't work when that's the way you use it, right? And, and in a similar vein to the way that we forgive, uh, it, it isn't weakness to say to someone, I forgive you, and not have any more to it. Um, in fact, it probably speaks to your uh, fortitude um, and your, your self-control to be able to forgive freely and not have any conditions, not have any change in behavior to that person. Again, not putting yourself in back into circumstances where you're going to get hurt again, because just because you've forgiven doesn't mean someone's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, that concept I think is an important one, that, that knowledge is important and forgiveness is important, and it doesn't mean we're weak when we don't we don't use those things as clubs over other people yeah I, if anything we've we've just maybe gained a greater perspective a greater understanding of what what the savior means to us right. and the forgiveness that he that yeah. he offers us yeah. elder elder holland talks about sitting in a institute class and 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 studying this parable mm-hmm. and the institute teacher talking about the the 100 pence versus 10,000 talents. And then Elder Holland says this part. He says, that latter debt, our debt, was an astronomical number. The teacher reminded us almost incapable of comprehension. But that, he said, was exactly the Savior's point in this teaching, an essential part of this parable. Jesus had intended that his hearers sense a little bit of the eternal scope and profound gift of his mercy, his forgiveness, his atonement. And then he says this, for the first time in my life, I remember feeling something of the magnitude of Christ's sacrifice for me, a gift bordering to this day on incomprehensibility. Mm. If we reflect on that, how much he has forgiven us, certainly it's easier to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's interesting too, because I think so often we hold on to the sin or we hold on to the, the behavior and we don't forgive because we didn't deserve what was done, right? We, we didn't deserve it. And yep. there was like, somebody hurt my feelings and I didn't do anything to earn that. And then I think about the Savior and I think, holy cow, if anybody didn't deserve anything, exactly. it was him. And yet, what did I do? I, I heap everything I've ever done wrong onto him. Mm-hmm. If anybody has the, the capacity to look at me and rightfully be angry at me, it's him. Um, having suffered everything I ever do wrong, and most of the time flippantly like, well, I probably need to repent of that. I'll probably do it again. But right, and and yet, he doesn't. He doesn't remember them. He doesn't. He he obviously tries to help me through them and, and get better. But but he doesn't hold on to stuff like yeah. like I hold on to stuff. It's interesting. He he is what the as it says there that the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion. Yeah, his, his compassion for us is amazing. So as we think about just relevance in our life, all of us are in need of forgiving others yeah. um, because we have been forgiven, or we, we hope to be. Yeah. Well, that's the last verse, right? So likewise, yep. shall my Father do also unto you, if from your heart forgive, uh, hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. We don't, don't have a guarantee to forgiveness no. if we choose to harbor and hold on right. to. Those you know, and, and, and maybe I've shared this before, but I just I, I envision the judgment day, and, and maybe I have no idea what that will look like. But I don't I don't know why I have this like courtroom with a glass wall on one side, and everybody that was ever part of your life gets to be on the other side of the wall. I just don't see anybody that I know going into judgment and me saying, "Get them, God." I just mm-hmm. ah. Now I don't know that that's true for everyone. I don't know that for those that have lost loved ones in horrific ways and things like that. I don't know that that's always true, but but for the most part, even people that like really wronged me, I think and I hope that I would stand on the other side of that glass that day and think, oh, just be compassionate. The rest of eternity hangs in the balance. And uh, if I can think that about myself then, why do I wait to put that on myself? Why, why don't I just do that now? Why can't I just say, oh, it's okay. Let's just move on. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. Well, thank you. That's perfect. That's a perfect start. There's two more spots. So, yep. Okay. Let's uh, let's jump to the Luke 10. Okay. And again, uh, a question is going to prompt some things. Okay. Uh, first part of the first part of the chapter. Absolutely, there there is something unique in Luke 10. We won't spend a whole lot of time with it, but the very first verse. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and sent them two and two by his face into every city and place, mm-hmm. whither he himself would come. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast that are not members of our faith, but uh, that is a unique concept for us, even though it's right here in the scriptures. We believe and know that the 70 is a, it's an office in the priesthood, mm-hmm. and it's called by called by the Savior in order to be witnesses of Christ, just like the 12, and take direction from the 12 to go do the work all over the world. Yeah, it's it's really the only way the global effort can be done. Absolutely. You can take take your line leader, and if you don't have those line leaders, I think think it's true when we see other faiths that don't have that structure, it's very difficult to go from a church on the East Coast to a church on the West Coast and have it at all the same, Mm -hmm. even if it's the same denomination. Um, because those line leaders that the Savior sets up in his organization uh, are the are the mouthpiece from the prophet down, clear down to the yeah. the, the little child. Maybe again, that organization yeah. comes into comes cool. into play. Well, There's a bunch of instruction then after that, isn't mm-hmm. there? In this, in this absolutely, chapter? yep. About going out and carrying purse, carrying neither purse nor script. Yep. Uh, what you do when you go into a city and they don't they don't accept you. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll certainly let people kind of read through read through that. But mm-hmm. after that instruction. We have this in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't exactly know what is involved in that temptation that he's trying to, sure. if he's trying to narrow him down to something in the law of Moses uh-huh. or just the law of Moses in general. Sure. I, I don't know all the ins and outs. But he was thinking in his head, I'm mm-hmm. going to catch him, right? Exactly. So there's answered with, Answer a question with a question. Well, what's written in the law? How sure. readest thou? Sure. And the lawyer gives a great response. We have the we have the, the two great commandments in verse 27. He doesn't call them those, but mm-hmm. that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. But, and the lawyer should have at that point walked away. Right. Right. You, you know that that's what the law is. Yeah. But verse 29 says, but he willing to justify himself and perhaps sometimes we we do the same yeah. when when we know what Heavenly Father has asked of us, but we're like, well, that's pretty tough. So can I justify <laughs> this? And his justification question was, well, who's my neighbor? Mm. And from there we have perhaps one of the most well-known parables of the Savior, mm. that of the the Good Samaritan. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Uh, you know, he he gets asked a similar question later in Luke, and I'll just touch on this quickly, and then jump back to the. Good Samaritan, verse chapter 18, verse 18, a certain ruler asks him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he says the same things. In the next few verses, he says he just speaks about the commandments. Mm-hmm. You need to live the commandments. Um, and then, and then uh, uh, he lacks one thing else, and it's to sell everything he had, right? So, it, so he keeps getting this question. This isn't the first time. It's not going to be the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the answer is almost always the same. Live the commandments, yep. right? And then he uses a parable and he teaches a, a process, maybe, uh, and, and in this case, the Good Samaritan. So take us in. Excellent. So multiple people in the parable. We've got a traveler. Mm-hmm. We've got some robbers. We've got the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, and we also have an innkeeper. Yeah. And so my invitation would be to just, as we read through this and as we look at this and when you do this on your own, maybe each time you read through, be somebody different. Yeah, that's good. In the parable. I like that. And so the, the first go-round, maybe you're the traveler, and, and you're the one that, that well, let's, let's read what happens yeah. to him. Verse 30. Sure. And Jesus answered, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Hmm. If we're the, we're the traveler, we maybe ask ourselves, how's the world beating me up? Sure. Or how, what is the world trying to strip me of? Mm-hmm. What is, what is it trying to take away from me? Or what are the wounds that come from, yeah. from the world around me? In what way am I half dead? Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably more mm-hmm. true most, for most of us most of the time than anything. And so maybe we need to figure out, how am I doing spiritually? Am I feeling a little beat up? And, mm-hmm. and if so, I, I, need to do, I need to have some of the things that are going to come later when, when a Samaritan. Yeah. Pour, pour some yeah, wine in yeah, and some good. oil. And, that's good. I like that. Uh, but be aware of what, what's going on. As One of the things that President Nelson has certainly touched on, particularly with young adults, because he gave a fireside, mm-hmm. is knowing who we are, yeah. knowing our identity, right. and some et- 
internal designators versus the things that we kind of designate amongst sure. ourselves. Yeah, sure. You and I will not be institute teachers forever. Right. And so if that becomes our, our ultimate designation in life, yeah. and what happens when we retire yeah. or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. But if we can remember our eternal things that I think Satan is trying to strip us of, that we are children of God, we're children of the covenant, and we're disciples of Christ. Yeah. He's going to try and tear those away and beat us up along the road. Man, that's really great. I love that you're taking us down that road because I've got students, I've got family, I've got people in my life that I think when they read this, they think of themselves as the Samarit- the, the good Samaritan. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I need to help other people. But what you're suggesting we do is look at this like the wounded and the, the, the good Samaritan maybe becomes a savior in that, in, in that sense there. And, and to, to recognize that sometimes I am the wounded laying on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I need to be okay with help. I need to be okay with, I'm, I've got a student in my mind right now thinking, uh, I know that when she reads this, she will think this is about her helping other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe it isn't. Maybe it's about the Savior helping you. Yep. Right? Yeah, I love Absolutely. that. Thank you. And to, to be aware that there are others that are, that are having this happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, so if we play, take ourselves out of being the traveler, okay. now we're maybe the first person that comes and sees the traveler. We're, we're the priest who passes by on the other side. We, we cross the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not because we're a bad person, but for whatever reason, it, it's not convenient, it doesn't fit. Uh, well, and that's what, what he says too, right? He says, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like intentionally, I'm mm-hmm. not dealing with that right now. Mm-hmm. And so are we a priest that passed by? Yeah. Uh, verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can certainly put ourselves in that in those situations. Do yeah. we just pass by opportunities? Yeah. And why, why do we? Is it because, A, we don't, we don't notice? Sure. Mm, that's not the case for these two, but right. perhaps for some of us, so, we, yeah. we get locked into whatever we're doing. Blinders on, uh, yeah. I know me, when I, when I go to church, I go up to the second row, and that's just kind of where, where I am. Yeah. And so I have no idea who There's comes to church. All the people behind you. Uh, yeah, and I, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I just like to be up front because yeah. I, I stay focused. And, yeah. But does, does that mean I, I don't see some of the wounded that are, sure. that are in the pews behind me yeah, or whatever? sure. Yeah, that's that's important, and I, and I think why the the question why do I do that is is key in us fixing it, right? Why do I step across the road? Um, am I and it might be I, I don't know how to help. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like I have the knowledge to help someone that's struggling, and 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 maybe there is a lack of faith in the Lord. Um, if if you're listening to a podcast about the gospel, you're probably doing something right in your life, and probably understand enough mm-hmm. to. Uh, to get across the road and, and just listen to the Spirit and listen to the person and, and see what you can do. I, you know, I, I don't know that the Lord needs us to have a perfect understanding of everything before we open our mouths to help other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. That's cool. Now, we definitely want to be envisioning ourselves as in verse 33 as the Samaritan. Sure. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him. Mm-hmm. We've already touched on this compassion thing. Mm-hmm. Look what he does and went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Hmm. We can be those Samaritans, and we've had those Samaritans in our in our life. Yeah. Ultimately, the Savior is the is the Samaritan in the story as well. Hmm. When we are the wounded, stripped, and departed, leaving half dead traveler. Yeah. He is the one that, that binds up our wounds, pours in the oil and wine, and sets us on him or on his own peace and brings us to his inn. Yeah, and, and, and there's, you know, as, as we look at being the Good Samaritan here, you look at verse 34, 35, you haven't really got to yet, maybe you will, but, but we look at the things in particular that the Savior does or that the mm-hmm. Samaritan does, and he took his time. He literally cared for him. He went to him in 33, came where he was, um, and went to him, gave him his time, um, used his own means, his own beast, right? He he gave of his substance to him, uh, brought him to the inn. He asked other people to help. He got other people involved. It wasn't just him fixing the problem. Uh, And he took more care of him. He took more time, right? Now we get to 35, and he's given of his own... Financial means, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes uh, I, especially, 
look at my limited time and I think, I, I can't. I don't have time to go help there right now. Let alone the, you know, use my means and ask others to get involved. And I just, I get pretty myopically focused on my stuff and what I've got to get done. And, and I miss opportunities. I miss them because I don't take them. Now, and we may not be, we may not be the Samaritan sure. all the time. Sure. But let's put ourselves in another place. Maybe we're the innkeeper. Yeah. Maybe a Samaritan has brought someone to us. Yeah. Uh, maybe your elders quorum president, your release really say president has assigned you to be a minister yeah. to someone. And they've, they've kind of figuratively brought them to your inn. Mm-hmm. And they've said, take care of him. Yeah. And then it says, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Mm. So whatever, whoever's brought to us, yeah, if we're the innkeeper, cool. know that there is, whatever we spend, there will be repayment. And we know the Lord's repayment plan. If you go back a few chapters, uh, in chapter 6, verse 38, this is the repayment, repayment plan of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus will give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hmm. He, he doesn't like just skimp and go, well, let me, let me yeah. give you a cup and I'll cut off the top <laughs> and make sure it's even. He He's just like, I am going to give you all the, I'm going to press it down <laughs> and it's going to be heaping over oh, the that's top. That's really cool. That's a that. repayment plan that I can, mm. I can jump on board that. Yeah, I really love that. Uh, so whatever we, we choose to spend as the innkeeper in taking care of someone that has been, been placed in our care, know that the repayment is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. I I had never caught that. I think that's a wonderful tra- cross-reference. Again, that's back to chapter yeah, 6, Luke 6, verse 38. Uh, just a really great cross-reference to add into that. Uh, I will repay thee at the end of verse 35 in Luke 10. Uh, you know, the other thing that just comes to my mind is I've got a couple people in my life right now who uh, I, I, I'm acting a little bit as a mentor in some ways, and and that's been a burden. It's, it's, been, it's a lot sometimes. It takes a lot. And it's been interesting because in two of those cases, um, as instructed here, I've got somebody else involved. Mm-hmm. And I've got some other people that, that you know, we, we get on a text string together with two or three people trying to help the one. And it takes the burden off of, the, of the, me as the individual person trying to be the, the Samaritan. Um, and, and isn't that the way the Lord set it up, right? I mean, if you look at our wards... They aren't set up so that the bishop is it. Uh, he gets a reporting more than anything, but, mm-hmm. but uh, they're set up with ministers and with friends and with uh, elders quorum or lead society presidencies, you know, all of the organization that's there for you to not have to do it on your own. Reach out. Get it in. Get the whole in involved, right? Yep. Have them help. And I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that in because that, that symbolism of the ward, the church is the in. Yeah. Uh, Elder Gong, great talk, just uh, April 2021, uh, Room in the Inn, Mm -hmm. uses this parable. Uh, But he says this, and kind of in depicting what went on, and he mentioned that there are some stained glass windows over uh, in France and and a cathedral there that kind of goes through the Good Samaritan story. Mm -hmm. But he says this, the first window shows Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden. The second recounts the parable of the Good Samaritan. The third depicts the the Lord's second coming. Taken together, these stained glass windows can describe our eternal journey. They invite us to welcome all with room in his inn. And so this, this parable is not just a, a, grunt, a wonderful story about somebody taking care of somebody. Mm-hmm. This is the plan of salvation. We came down uh, on the road to Jericho. We mm-hmm. came down mm-hmm. to, the, mm-hmm. to the earth. Uh, another person in writing about how this is about the, about the plan of salvation. Uh, long ago in February 2007, the Good Samaritan Forgotten Symbols, they go through and, and say, well, Jerusalem, where they came down from, pre-mortal existence. Going down to Jericho, going down to the world. Mm. This victim is mankind, falls among thieves, the fall of man. Right. The Good Samaritan, Jesus Christ. Mm. The inn, the church. The innkeeper, the head of the church. Mm. The priest could represent love, Moses. Mm-hmm. Levites, other, uh, the, the other parts of this law, the prophets. Sure. Um, but ultimately, uh, the Savior is, brings his gospel back. Mm-hmm. And then when he says, when I come again, right. I will repay, meaning that, that second coming. Yeah. Elder Gong kind of takes that kind of analogy. And, uh, and this is what he says about the inn. 
that all of us are trying to invite people. He gives five principles about the inn, and I would just, again, encourage people to go see the, uh, go, go listen to, read the talk, Room in the Inn, Elder Gong, April 2020, or, yeah, 2021. And he said, first, we come to the inn as we are with the foibles and imperfections we each have, yet we all have something needed to contribute. Mm-hmm. So this inn, whether we're, we're wounded or whether we're the, the Samaritan that brings people there, but we each, we come as we are, yeah. and we, we should be invited in. Yeah. Second, he entreats us to make his inn a place of grace and space where each can gather with room for all. Mm-hmm. Are, are we making this a, a place for everyone? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's church in general. That's our elders quorum. That's sure. our, our Relief Society group. Yeah. Uh, that's our institute class. Yeah. Do we have space yeah. and grace? And, and, and interesting, and I want you to continue in here because I think this has taken us in a great place. But just to pause on that concept that some people don't fit the mold We've created mm-hmm. the church to become, right? And and maybe not even because they're making choices, maybe just because of some of their deficiencies, right? I, I'm thinking of a, a young man in our stake who uh, uh, sings in the in the state choir during state conferences, and he's got Down syndrome. And this young man, oh man, he is singing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this last state conference, we put him right in the middle. And I'm sure that there were people who heard, I hope not many, but I'm sure there were some who heard and thought, why right in the middle? Why are we? Mm-hmm. And, and I just wonder if the messages that we miss from the Spirit teaching us, when we don't um, make those judgments and we just listen and we think, why? How does He help us? How does He, how does he bless? How does He create the inn in the way that the inn is needed? I just got teary watching Him con- uh, stand right in the middle of that choir at at Star Last State Conference, and I was out out front conducting, and and just amazing energy and amazing um, faith and compassion and passion for what he was doing. And I think if any of us did half of what we do with half the fervor he had, <laughs> you know, we would we would be in such a better place as an inn. Um, and yet we see some like that, and we we put what we want it to look like yeah. on, and we miss the opportunity to have it become what God wants it to look like. Because it's a big, big, a much bigger and better in when, it, yeah. when it's God's in. I think that has something to do with this, the third principle. Because sometimes we think, well, that's not perfect. Yeah. That's, not, that's no. not the best it could be. Right. But the third principle, Elder Gong shares, is in the end, we learn perfection is in Jesus Christ, yeah. not in the perfectionism of the world. Right. And if we're, we're saying, well, that, that choir number wasn't perfect like perfect, the world. Right. Uh, that's not the perfectionism we're going for. We're going for yeah, perfection it's not even the in point. Christ. Exactly. Right. It's not the point of the end, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, just his last two. Fourth, as his in, we become part of a gospel community centered in Jesus Christ, anchored in restored truth, living prophets and apostles, and another testament of Jesus Christ, the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon. Mm-hmm. So we have this community that's really, that's really centered. And so whoever comes in, whoever gets dropped off at the end, try to get everyone centered in, yeah. in those things. Yeah. Last but not least, he says this. Finally, fifth, we rejoice that God loves his children in our different backgrounds and circumstances in every nation, kindred, and tongue with room for all in his inn. Yeah, that's great. We're, we're all wounded to some degree, yeah, right? and so we all need the inn. You know, it's interesting, as you've talked this through, I've thought, man, I really like the idea of the Savior being the good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. But but the, what does that make me? If I want to be a Samaritan, can I be an okay Samaritan and let him be the good Samaritan who comes back to the inn mm-hmm. and feeds and lifts and pays and does all the things? Can I be someone that goes out uh, on my feeble capacities and just helps people get to the inn? Isn't that the gathering? Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it just helping people find a place where they're where they they can be bound, that their wounds can be healed, that they don't have to be alone, uh, laying on the other side of the road in the ditch? Um, can't I do more to just help them be in a place where they're, um, where they're safe and, and not entered into the waters of baptism every time? That's eventual, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's in this life or the next life, it'll happen. Um, but, uh, but to help, just help them. Help yep. them be bound up and find the Savior. And, and sometimes we're going to be that Samaritan that brings them to the inn. Sometimes we're the innkeeper that when someone else brings it in, yeah. brings them in, yep. we're, we're there to bind up and help and uh, and sometimes we're the guy laying on the street exactly. that needs somebody to lift, and I need to let them lift me up we're, and take me home. We're all parts of all yeah. parts of this. Yeah. I, there, there's times where I feel like 
gosh, with, with what I do for work and I don't have too many opportunities to share with non-members of our faith. Yeah. My, maybe my neighbors here and there, but right. sometimes I'm just driving in yeah. and driving out. Right. And, yeah. and everybody else I hang out with is are members of the Church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> state, in the state presidency. And, and so I, <laughs> I, I probably need to go, okay, well, maybe I, for now, maybe I'm a in, better innkeeper sure. that somebody else is bringing someone. that. In, right. and, but am I welcoming then? Yeah. How many times do, uh, is there a, a parent that's praying for their college student to, to go to church, yeah. and and maybe that that young adult does, yeah. and no one's there at the end to, to welcome. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they, just, they sit by themselves here and there, and yeah. um, we can be better innkeepers. Yeah, that's great. Looking. Man, I love that. I love so. that idea too. As a as a seminary and institute employee, that you're right. We we don't rub elbows very often right. with with people outside of that world and, and maybe we need to look at ourselves like innkeepers sometimes. And, and I think that's maybe true for a lot of people. Yes. I think about a, a single mother at home listening to this who's raising her kids and going to church and going to her young women's activities on Wednesday night because she's in she's the like, young When do I have time to do missionary yeah, work? Yeah, she, she's got a neighbor maybe that she talks with every once in a while. But, but I, I think maybe the inn that she's keeping in her home mm-hmm. is the place where she invites the Savior to come in and heal the wounds and, yeah. but helping her own children be the, the, the wounded maybe. And maybe as a as a young women's leader, those those young women that come yeah, to her class, she's right. an innkeeper that yeah. every time. What a powerful message here. This is fantastic, Brendan. Thank you. One more thing. Okay. One last yeah. one last thing are just these verses from thirty-eight to forty-two at the end of Luke ten. Again, prompted prompted by a, a question, but let's get the context. Okay. The Savior's in a village. He has a he's with a certain women, Mary and Martha. And of course, these are Mary and Martha is the are the sisters of Lazarus. For whatever reason, he's got this connection with this family. Yeah. We're going to see later the the healing of Lazarus, raising Lazarus from the dead. But they seem to be very just significant people in their in their life. But he's hanging out in their home, and verse thirty nine says, I mean, she had, uh, in, in thirty eight it mentions Martha is the one that received him into her house." Mm-hmm. 39, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mm-hmm. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, and here comes the question, mm-hmm. Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? <laughs> and then question, and she kind of follows up with her thought, <laughs> bid her therefore that she help me. I don't really care what your answer is. Exactly. I just I just, <laughs> basically, I'm, I'm setting you up to tell me that you need to tell her to, to help me. Now, can I, can, before we get too deep into this, yeah, can, I, can I have you be thinking about this? I've got someone in my life who I love and is fantastic, who just this story is hard because Martha's asking for a thing that probably Mary should have figured out, that Martha should be sitting by the Savior too. And if Mary had helped before, or if Mary were helping right now, then maybe they could both enjoy time with the Savior. But somebody's got to do it. And, and so that, that has been a, a struggle um, for this person in my life who, who, just, who just wants things to be nice, who just mm-hmm. wants things, everybody to be able to enjoy it, not have one person missing out because somebody's got to make dinner. Yeah. You know? So with that in mind, let's, let's see how we, how we approach this. Well, we have to go to the Savior's answer. Verse okay. 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. The footnote careful, 41a, mm-hmm. is Greek for worried. Mm-hmm. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. He didn't say, you're bad. Yeah. Those things that you're worried about are wrong. Right. But he does say in verse 42, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mm-hmm. He did say... At this particular time, in this particular moment, Mary has chosen the good part. Mm-hmm. And not that Martha couldn't. Mm-hmm. She was still there. She could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it comes down to Elder, or President Oaks used this in a talk years okay. ago, good, better, best, yep. where we just have to determine in those moments what is the, what is the best. Yeah. Having dinner ready for Jesus, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great thing. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not, at least in that moment, not the best thing yeah. that could have taken place. Yeah, and, and what would have happened had Martha just said, I'm going to finish dinner later. I'm going to go sit yeah. and talk to the Savior. Would Jesus have been? <laughs> oh, my word, it's a, not on time. Where is dinner, yep. ladies? No, I, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't so, uh, so was it more her concerned about pleasing the Savior or... Yeah. 
meeting up her re- her her need. Yeah, what yeah. She, what she feels needs to be yeah. the, the right thing to do. Well, and and maybe by doing the best thing, not the good or the better, but doing the best thing, she, she also opens herself up to having a different interaction with the Savior mm-hmm. later. Because what would have happened if dinner wasn't ready, and the Savior they get up from talking. And Martha goes in to finish dinner, and the Savior comes in with her. And now Martha and the Savior are making dinner together, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it, it, we're, we're extrapolating quite a bit there. But, but the idea that, that maybe the message that is the best thing right now will open us up to have a better thing mm-hmm. even later, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I love that. Now, Martha gets a bad rap here mm-hmm. to some degree. And, and I think we've got to look at at least one word in here that says, you know, Martha wasn't always about dinner. Sure. Verse 39, it says, and she had a sister, and talking about Martha, it says, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. Yeah. That's word. And she so was there. There was, there was times when Martha did this. Now, in this particular moment, right. we get this snapshot, sure. and it's a great teaching principle about priorities and what's our priorities, right. uh, but I, I don't think Martha's a bad lady. She's also sat at Jesus' feet. And then certainly when Lazarus passes away, Martha's one of the first that right. meets him and says, yeah. "If you know, I, I know that you're the resurrection and the life." Yeah. So she has a testimony. Well, and, and there's also something about just 38. We go back to that, and the Savior goes to a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Mm-hmm. It would have been her responsibility yeah. to make sure dinner was ready or whatever it was, right? And so her, her maybe younger sister being there hanging out at the house is missing the opportunity to help her sister prepare for the Savior too. And, and maybe there's a message to, um, to young people, to all of us really, but, but just that when you're, when, you're a host, when you're a host, you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. When you're a guest, man, take the responsibility to help the host, right? Mm-hmm. And so that everybody can enjoy the experience when the experience needs to be there. Yep. But, but yeah, take, okay, keep going. Um, just from, from President Oaks then. Yeah. Uh, in his talk, Good, Better, Best, he said, Jesus taught this principle in the home of Martha. So what, what principle to teach? We've got to go to the paragraph before. He said, we should begin by recognizing the reality that just because something is good is not a sufficient reason for doing it. The number of good things we can do far exceeds the time available to accomplish them. Mm-hmm. Some things are better than good, and these are the things that should command priority attention in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so he goes on to say, well, Jesus taught this principle. While she was cumbered about much serving, his, her sister, Mary, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. When Martha complained that her sister had left her to serve alone, Jesus commended Martha for what she was doing, which is great, yep. um, but taught her that one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which yeah. shall not be taken away from her. It was praiseworthy for Martha to be careful and troubled about many things, but learning the gospel from the master teacher was more needful. Mm. And so we have a lot of good things that we can be doing. We have a lot of good... Uh, that young adults do in this in this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Don't let the good out outweigh or or take over the things that could be better yeah. and best. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And and maybe there's a maybe there's a way to discern those things in the end of verse forty two. You know, I I often think this is all good stuff. I don't, how do <laughs> I pick the? Yeah, yeah. But but what he says at the end uh, that Mary hath chosen the good part. And then this, which shall not be taken away from her. What thing, if I'm thinking of three things, is one of them more eternal more than eternal the other? Than that dinner was made, we will always be able to remember that day we had this. Mm-hmm. And I think those, that, that's maybe the, the indicator, uh, good, better, best, is what's longer term? Yeah. As I look at it. And, and I've, I've missed those things. Yeah, yeah I, I am... As you probably know, I'm much a, a Martha in trying to get yeah. things done, and, mm-hmm. and I want things right. And, and I, I guess let me tell you a time where, where I blew it. Uh, we have here at the Institute occasionally some, some awesome fireside speakers, yeah. like big names, like members apostles. of the 12. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those was Elder Christopherson. He mm-hmm. came to this building, and uh, we were getting prepared for those things and, and trying to get ready for that. I, I, I got my son and I said, come on down and you can be with me and, and let's see if you can shake Elder Christopherson's hand at some point. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but you're coming to help me get a, all these other things done. Well, we were working on things and uh, we slipped in this room to, to put up chairs and Elder Christopherson came in and we missed it. 
because we're putting up some chairs. And versus we could have maybe hung out for a couple more minutes and, and those chairs would have been there afterwards. Yeah, right. <laughs> but my son missed that opportunity when Elder Christopher came in and shake everyone else's hand in the, in the oh, foyer yeah. and we're in the side room setting, setting up, up some extra chairs. Oh. And, uh, and so there's times where we've got to go, what is going to be those things that shall not be taken away yeah. from her as you've, as you've quoted? So. I'll, share, I'll share another because I think it's appropriate. Uh, some years ago, I was assigned to be in charge of a big trip our state took our youth on. And I was kind of the, the point man in the, in the trip. And my state president's fantastic. And he said, well, why don't we just call down to the first presidency's office and see if anybody can meet with us? So, which I don't know that we're supposed to do. But yeah, that's, we did that's that. interesting. We okay. did that. <laughs> and uh, Elder Oaks' uh, office called and said, we'd love for you to, he'll take some time, take an hour uh, Sunday morning. So meet us in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. Well, to get that herd of people, 150 people on buses at 6 in the morning so we can be at the Joseph Smith Memorial mm -hmm. Building at 8, and everything else that was going on that weekend, by the time I got in there and Elder Oaks stood and shook everybody's hand, I'd walked in early because I wanted to make sure we, I knew where we were going, I walked in early and I missed him at the door. And then I remember sitting as he's teaching our youth and I missed every single thing he said. Because my brain was everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes general conference can be that for us, right? We, we're willing to sit down and listen to it, but we've got so much else going on that, that we kind of don't take it in. And I remember to this day, just to this day, I think, how, what did I miss? What yeah. did I miss sitting at the foot of an apostle? And uh, just because I was so worried about the other things that needed to get done, um, for us to have a good experience. But that was the best thing That's, we were doing. Yeah. And I should have just sat down and just listened. And so this is a powerful story to me. It is. I, I love, a, uh, love where you took us well. on it. Anything else you'd share with us just in, uh, by way of closing and final thoughts? Well, with, with all those three questions that prompted three great stories or three that are part of three experiences, uh, we know that we should forgive others. Yeah. We, we know that from that story. We know we should serve and help others in need. Yeah. We know that we should prioritize our time and energy to all those things that, that matter most. We know we know these things, yeah. and we've been reminded about it today. Elder Bednar, in, in a couple different years and in a couple different conference talks, made this phrase about things we know. Uh, he said it exactly in three different places. But what we know is not always reflected in what we do. Mm. But what we know is not always reflected in what we do. Three different places. But what we know is not always reflected in what we do. Yeah. Now, we know these things, and I don't know that we've shared anything that's, that's earth-shattering, sure. uh, but I, I just would end with, let's make sure it's what we do. Yeah. It's what we've become. Yeah. We know this, but we've also become this yeah. because we live it. And I, I testify that there are blessings that come as we, we live these three principles mm. that, we're, that we've talked about today. I love it. Brendan, thank you. Brother Felix, it's so good to be with you. Um, it really is becoming, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. the whole plan, is just to become. Become better as individuals, to become like our Father in Heaven, our Mother in Heaven. Have what they have, but it only happens when we, uh, when what we know becomes what we do, right? Yep. Love that message. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. It was we'll fun. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you.